This is Corporate Cafecito, where we discuss career development and entrepreneurial growth strategies. I'm Mario Rodriguez. Y yo soy Nayeli Suarez-Guez. Go get your cafecito and let's talk about professional growth. We've gotten a lot of requests on one of our most listened to episodes, which was the Sergio Suarez Jr. episode on AI. So we received so many questions that I took the liberty of asking my little cousin to please come back and educate us some more. So welcome back, Sergio. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me again. You know what? We're going to dive right in. I'll, I'll just tell you, we received so much feedback because I think AI is such a pressing topic. It's something we really want to know about. It's scary. It's super scary for those of us who aren't well versed on it. And so I loved what you shared last time because it allowed us to kind of capture, you know, like when you said like the cat and the letter B, it was a really good example of how AI works. So afterward, we received a ton of questions. You know, we just want to explore the topic a little more so that we can become further educated. And, you know, we're not going to be early adopters because I feel the early adopters started a while ago, but at least maybe we could catch up. Yeah. I'll just start with the first question. Sure, sure. Which is, what are some of the impacts you think AI will have on, like, healthcare and doctors? Yeah, that, that's a good one. Um, and it's going to be huge in, in healthcare. The issue right now in healthcare is, um, again, AI is not so much of a technology problem. Uh, it's a data problem. One of the things in healthcare is because they haven't been so great at um, storing their information in structured ways or you know, in ways that are easy to, to know, hey, this is this data point, this is this other data point. Um, and when you need, you know, tens of millions of examples to train an AI model, um, that's where things kind of got slowed down in the healthcare space. Um, it's tough to get industries that make a lot of money to change how they do things, because they're like, hey, well, why would we change it if we're making a lot of money? Um, but now, I mean, you're going to see a big shift in what doctors are using as far as information, right? So a lot of times doctors um, would have to research things for a long time. They don't have to research as much anymore. Um, the the other thing is to look at patterns that maybe us as humans don't spot. An AI will, will pick up on those things much faster, right? Like right now um, there's algorithms that if you give it the right data points, such as, you know, your blood pressure over the last three or four years, and now we have more monitors, right? So we have like, I have a blood glucose monitor on me right now where they can see the shifts in my in my blood sugar and equate it to the types of foods I was eating, to my weight, to my mood, to all of these other things like, that I'm also I know tracking. tacos are bad for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am aware. And I think all that information, um, we're going to understand ourselves more. Um, and the, the insights um, and... W- these things will be able to tell us what we should be doing and shouldn't be doing, but tailored to you. Right now, everything in medicine is this is what everybody should do, right? Like, hey, you should only eat this many calories, but what what if, you know, you burn calories much faster than somebody else? Then yeah. You should really eat these. So everything's going to be tailored. And I think that's what AI is going to bring to, to medicine mm-hmm. is more tailored um, healthcare, not so broad. Do you think some of that information could be skewed? I mean, we do have medical giants out there that make money off of medicine. Is Do you think that, I mean, in any, any type of data could be skewed, but how pure can this data stay with an AI? Yeah. I mean, the, the truth is they're always going to find ways to sell you a pill, right? Like, um, uh, a lot, there, there's a misconception that like drug companies want you to be sick. Like 
there's enough stuff for us, right? Because um, we know what we're supposed to kind of eat, you know, but we, we don't do it. So the, the, there are no danger of us, you know, <laughs> suddenly becoming <laughs> all healthy and 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 not drinking. And, you know, there, there, there'll be there'll be stuff. I think um, uh, one of the big ones right now that they're making really big progress is in, is in fertility. Right, it's kind of always been this Rubik's cube that we've always always trying to find. Whereas AI has been really good at giving some really cool insights as to helping people with 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 fertility and um, you know and, and procreating, which I think is going to be a huge thing in the next 10, 15 years. I'm currently wearing a Fitbit, <laughs> and I see the like the updates, and so now it's like, would you like us to track your heart for you? Would you like mm-hmm. us to do this? Like, how will that integrate into like our medical records or things like that? Well. Right now, I think Apple literally has a whole medical record on you if you have an um, an Apple Watch, right, or an iWatch. Um, it's a matter of how do you integrate that with. It, now, this is where the thing was like, who owns the data, mm-hmm. right? Um, Apple doesn't want to give it to your healthcare provider unless they pay them for it, right? And um, the other big thing is they're technically not allowed to give it to anybody, right? Because there's laws against that. There's HIPAA um, and um, so how do we, and this is where it kind of got a little tricky in, in, in healthcare especially, is, well, how do you train AI models if you can't use the data to train it because the, your information is is on that particular data, right? So then we had to go through and we had to remove everybody's names. But that's not so easy because all of these healthcare records are images, right? They're not just typed out. So now you have to get something that can read the images and then know like, hey, this is this is Nayeli's name, and this is her date of birth, and this is her, you know, whatever. And then there's private information in the notes that the doctor wrote out, right, that says her name again and says whatever. Um, and that became, you know, then that's why things take so long is you have to, we call it de-identification or de-risking of that data so that you can get it to research facilities so that they can do what they do with within AI. I'm going to um, stick with the topic because I know Tackle AI works a lot with medical records. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that surprised me is my mom recently had surgery and we went uh, you know, to the hospital and they had a list of all her medications from even doctors that were not part of that network. How is that like, is that shareable? Is that like a pharmacy network or like how do they know everything she was taking? So that's the pharmacy network. Okay. Yeah, so that, that that's how they do it with that. Um, the ways that we do it at Tackle is we grab the information off of the... Um, the documents. So whenever a lab, you know, let's say um, your doctor's like, hey, you need an MRI, but the clinic or the hospital doesn't have the MRI, they send you somewhere mm-hmm. and then you get the MRI done and they send it back, but they send it as a fax, which is how 98%. Are you serious? 90% of healthcare is done through fax. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and it's to, cir- it's to circumvent um, a, a HIPAA law of, hey, email. you can send things through a wire, right? But you can't do it over the internet, mm-hmm. but you can do it over a phone line. So it ends up just being an email, right? At the other end, they just get an email with with uh, with a letter. Um, and then normally they would just put that into your EHR, right? It's just an image now. When the doctor wants to see your MRI, he pulls up the MRI. What we do is we just pull the results of the MRI so that they don't have to look at the whole thing. We just say, hey, this is the patient. This is their name. This is whatever. And now it's just like seven or eight boxes that they can read instead of having to go through the whole thing. Um, and yeah, that, that, that's how usually information is getting shared now. Used to be humans who typed all this out. Now it's more companies like us who just read it. That's so, it's so fascinating. So when Sergio got here bright and early, we were talking about the movie Her with Scarlett Johansson and Joaquin Phoenix. And he falls in love with this computer AI 
And uh, spoiler alert, but if you haven't watched it, it's like a 10-year-old movie. How When did it come out? Like, oh, I have no idea. I think, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, about 2012, yeah, like, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So, you know, he um, there becomes this culture of just interacting with this AI, and he falls in love with her and then realizes that she, this AI image is also like other people are in love with her, and everyone has their own like AI person, and it just it becomes very emotional. Then at the end, well, you <laughs> they yeah, all leave. I mean, I mean, what the movie was really good at showing is that that humans are not. Um, what makes us special is not how logical we are. It's all the ways we're illogical that mm-hmm. kind of binds us together. Um, I always tell people if you want people to become friends, don't talk about what they like. Talk about what they dislike, and mm-hmm. th- that'll bring people closer together than than oh, I like to to, to play basketball, you know. But say, hey, I. I hate the Cavaliers, and that'll bring people way closer together, you know? Um, what that movie was really good at doing was basically showing how quickly AI evolves, because the whole movie's like within a two-week period or something. Yeah. Like, it's not a very long. It's very and, deep feelings, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very deep feelings, mostly because it knows how to manipulate, right? It knows how to uh, what makes a human tick. It knows what things to say, what things not to say. I thought it was awesome how it was confused that, like, why are you mad that I'm talking to all these other people? Like, all those relationships are helping me be a better partner for you, right? And mm-hmm. I look how much greater I am for you. But it's like, no, you can't do that. Like, it's a logical thing. Yeah, if I could, if you could have a relationship with 35,000 people at once, you learn all the different goods and the bads and makes you really good for a partner with one person. Um, but the other thing it talked about was how AI can do multiple things at once and it's not difficult, right? Like, we're, we're calculating trillions of things a second, right? Whereas as humans, we could do a couple hundred you know, so that, that I really did enjoy that movie. I didn't want to enjoy it, but I had to do a podcast for HBO. And I literally finished it like one minute before. Oh, that's <laughs> so, so funny. Very fresh <laughs> in my head. Yeah. Okay, so I want to, when you think about that movie and, you know, what it showed, and right now you saw, said it like a trillion calculations. Yeah, yeah. per <laughs> like second or whatever. Okay, so here I'm going to, Go on a little tangent because I read in the news um, about how when people were mining for like Bitcoin and um, cryptocurrency, that it took a lot of energy and like grids would go down or like it it was a huge um, impact on the electronic. I don't even know what to call that. Yeah, consumption of energy was super high. It was really here in the power grids. Yeah, And then is that does AI because to calculate so much information at once is probably really draining on the power grid as well. Yeah, it's worse. Yeah, it's definitely not eco-friendly. Um, I know like uh, with the servers that we have, I think we spend like on almost $3,000 a month just on electricity, you know, of, of powering. And most of our electricity is obviously coming from fossil fuels where we have it. So yeah, it's not the greatest for the environment right now. Um, it wasn't with crypto, we're, we're that way. Um, but AI is worse. But the thing is like, you know, with crypto, it was always looked at as like a bad thing because nobody understood it. So it was easy to kind of, you know, crap all over and be like, you're terrible for the environment. With AI, they very rarely talk about it because of all the benefits that come from it. Um, and too many people are making too much money. Whereas with crypto, it was a bunch of, you know, um, it wasn't exactly Wall Street that was making money at the beginning. So it was easy to trash them. Has crypto kind of died down? Um not so much, no. I think the the mining of it has died down. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the trading it stopped being cool when when Wall Street starting started to buy, you know, um, and started tanking some and, and making their old tricks because it's deregulated. So they were like, oh man, 
Like it's super deregulated. We can do all our tricks from the seventies and eighties again. Um, so it was quick for them to make money, but um, no, it's, it's still going pretty strong. Just not as uh, it's not new anymore where, you know, now it's just uh, people know about it and trade it. So just going back on one point of that eco-friendliness with all the data that, that AI could kind of assess and create and, and, and uh, just simplify our lives. Is there any talks about being more eco-friendly? For the environment, since it's consuming so much energy, using solar power, I, I don't know. I mean, is there any talk? I'm sure there's been talks. I haven't been a part of those talks, okay. but yeah. Um, there definitely has to be a discussion, right? And I think I talked about this last time I was on. It's pretty incredible how the human mind barely has the same electricity of a light bulb, yet we're able to do really complex calculations very quickly. Um, whereas um, to get the same thing, I need like, I don't know, 100 times the power to get the same computations that I can get from my brain. Um, but we can then, you know, soup it up a bunch, right? Because we basically have unlimited electricity because um, we can just create more. Um, so then we just power things the, um, pretty crazy. Like at our servers, like the amount of power that we have going to this, like, this one rack is more than like my whole neighborhood, right? Wow. Um, wow. It, it, and it, it, it's, it's pretty crazy. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, so... Do you think, um, so you are more advanced, and last time you said, like, if you want to start, like, go with ChatGPT and just, like, start messing around with Mm -hmm. it. What do you think, like, if someone's already doing that, what's, like, the next level up? It's studying prompt engineering. Okay. Okay, and that is... (laughs) I was going to say, and that is. (laughs) (laughs) Certification or something. There is. There's starting to be courses now on just how, how do you prompt something like ChatGPT to do the things you need it to do and to answer the questions you need answered, right, in the proper way. Because it can build things now. So you can tell it, I want you to create a function that does X, Y, and Z, right? Like I need you to loop it four times and then uh, run and check this website, pull data, do all of this. But you can just kind of type it, but you need to know how to talk to it. It can't, it's not, um, if you say something slightly wrong, it doesn't work. Um, and it will literally write the code for you. So if you want a website, you could literally tell ChatGPT. Um, that, that hasn't released, but there's there's stuff that some of us have access to where um, you literally tell it, make me a website, I want these colors, and I want it to talk about how I'm selling cookies, and I want you to have an API into Shopify, right? Um, or make it a Shopify site that's an API into Stripe for, for the thing, and it will write it all for you. I don't know what API means. Uh, it's basically the way I can, it's a way to connect into something else. Okay. So, uh, you have this software and for it to communicate over here, you write language that lets the two communicate with one another. Huh. Um, and so API is what makes everything work. Like, um, anything, every system has to speak to another system and you agree on a format that you're going to send data back and forth to one another. Um, and that way when you puts it into its own code base, it, um, it knows what it's reading. So I know that there's, I, I can speak for myself, but there's always a resistance. I mean, let me see how this pans out before I engage with it. But then I also want you to speak a little bit more about, you know, there's, there's four types or categories I've, I've found here as I research on the capabilities of AI. We have weak AI, narrow AI, general AI, strong AI. I know Siri is, is an example of a weak AI, right? Correct. So yes. it's something just, it, it only can go so far. Correct. Right. Yeah. It basically, I mean, it was really cool. 10 years ago, right? Um, whereas whereas now, so we live pretty much almost in general um, kind of AI. Um, 
uh, we're going to get to like stronger AI. We're we're in between narrow and general. So right? what is general is from you? So general is, is just like um, uh, exactly what ChatGPT is or trying to be, right? Okay. Where you could you could ask things to it. It understands language super well. Um, the thing is that everybody right now, when they think of AI, are only thinking about generative AI, right? Which mm-hmm. is text based AI. Uh, there's stuff like computer vision, right? The things that are in the Tesla cars that look at stuff and know what they are and identify them or look at images and know, hey, that's a McDonald's. This is this type of car. This is all that information is also AI. Time out. Yeah. So remember like back in the day when Google had the um the big cameras on top of the cars mm-hmm. and they would be driving around? Like or would Google this Maps. replace yeah. that if the if the Tesla's driving around knowing there's a McDonald's here or they opened up a new Panda Express over here? Like is it logging that and feeding it to something? It is. Yes. Whoa. So every Tesla car that's driving right now is filming everything the same way Google had a car that was going around filming. And that, that that's the thing of then like, well, who owns, who owns all that stuff? Yeah, right. right? Who owns yeah. it? Yeah. Um, and it, it's a really complicated. Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really complicated answer, right, that I try to simplify for people. Um, so uh, we process a bunch of healthcare documents, right? Mm-hmm. Or let's say there's government documents that we process. Um, that goes into our our computer, or you know, our, our either computer vision models, if it's images, or into our um, general AI models that we have. They're then like, "Hey, did you use my data to train your AI?" Right, and the truth is, like, yeah, if it runs through our AI, it learns more and more, and the more we validate it, the more it knows. Now, I'm not saving that anywhere, mm-hmm. right? It's not like I'm saying. Oh yeah, this is the document that that it knows stuff from and it remembers it forever. Yeah, like pull um, up Mario Rodriguez six twenty two. Yeah, has no idea, right? <laughs> um, what it did though, it learned, and they're like, well, um, then we own it. But the truth is, like, it's just like when you hire somebody at your job, they're going to learn stuff, right? And you can't make them unlearn it once they leave. That is just something that they've learned. Do you own what they learned from you? Like you don't own that. It's the same thing that's going on with AI. Is, I love your examples. That's a really good example. Yeah, it's it, it, but it's exactly the same thing. So it's knowledge that's just open to every. It's like an encyclopedia. Dating ourselves back, it's knowledge. It's on the shelf there. They compiled it. No one owns it, right? Someone published it, but you're walking away with with that knowledge. So you become more of a commodity because yeah, you've learned it. They can't make you unlearn it, right? right. Yeah. You can't make an, a human unlearn it. I can't make my AI unlearn it mm. either. So a lot of times, what they'll say is like, okay, well, we'll take whatever AI wherever it is today, split it off, and make another one just with my new information because I don't want what I'm giving you to help my competitors. You know, or, or, or if it's secret government stuff, then you can't, your AI can't learn secret government stuff. Right. And in those cases, we will kind of branch it off and do something, it, yeah. but, yeah. Um, but for the most part, yeah. I mean, it, but also it costs a lot more money because mm-hmm. these models are very big and now you got to have Make more hardware. And, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> it's just like a lot of these models, they have to be on a GPU and some of the GPUs we use are twenty twenty five thousand dollars each. So now you have to pay me to buy a $25,000 GPU where I can store these models that are now specific to you. So we spoke about general AI. So for those listeners that are like, I don't want to do anything with artificial intelligence, it's already here, right? Those electric oh, yeah, cars, yeah. Mm-hmm. cameras, the ring, and all that kind of jazz. So so then strong AI, let's talk about a little bit of strong AI because I understand it involves more machinery and actually can surpass human intelligence. So, so what are some examples of strong AI? So we don't have a lot of it right now. It's more of a theoretical thing that we're doing right now, right? And we're, it's what we're trying to achieve. Um, and with strong AI, yeah, it'll literally be like robots building a bridge, 
right? And knowing things ahead of time, predicting that, hey, because the weather is going to be this tomorrow, this is how we're going to do X, Y, and Z, right? Um, things like a, uh, uh, an AI doing surgery, right? Um, going through and it's got very steady hands, you know, and it would probably be better and it can analyze, but that sort of AI, again, is computer vision, right? Where um, it knows what it's seeing and can react to it. One of the things that was always difficult for us when I'd say like in 2012, um, humans were amazing at, we're driving, right? And something cuts in front of you. Like as humans, we're so good at like ignoring a whole bunch of things and like making a split decision. I'm either going left or I'm going right. And we're incredible at it. We're very good at saying, I only have this amount of time. So my brain's going to ignore 99.9% of things that I have to analyze to make the right decision. And we make one. AI was very bad at that. AI wants to be like, I'm going to analyze everything you've given me and then make a decision. So it was really bad at driving, right? Like, hey, something crazy would happen and it would just freeze. It wouldn't know, it would just run the person over or it would just whatever because it didn't have enough time to calculate what to do. We're getting better at that, but the way we're getting better at it is by eliminating things you, or by saying, hey, you can ignore these things if something crazy happens. Because um, if we can figure out how we do that, the way humans are able to do it, then yeah, then we'll, we'll start to achieve more of like what a strong AI would be of just knowing when when to do what. Whereas right now it follows instructions. Eventually it'll learn, doesn't have to follow instructions. Has your cafecito run out? Go grab another cup. We'll wait for you right here. Please check us out at corpcafecito.com and drop us a message. About 10 years ago, there was a, a survey done and it was when people started tracking like telephones and credit cards to identify like, you know, number 17253 lives here, goes to this gym, works in this building, goes to this grocery store, etc. And I, there was a lot of concern about privacy. And one of the things that was interesting is that the millennial generation said, I don't mind sharing my data if it then gives me more personal, personalized information or service or, you know, like I could. And I, I think about how just even the commercial shopping landscape has changed, right? Like 10 years ago, it was like to get a customized offer from La Coles. Um, <laughs> now, you know, now it's like to get products, like you talk about shoes and those same shoes are going to follow you across every single platform. Um, we have these machines in our houses hearing us talk. And then all of a sudden, you know, like it comes to Lent and I get all these non-alcoholic beer ads. One, do you think the privacy laws can keep up with AI? And then my second question is, what if you don't want to participate? Okay. Two very good questions. I'll answer the second one first. You don't get a choice. Okay. So that's... So Not even a thing, yeah. Scratch um, that question. Scratch that question, you don't get a choice. <laughs> We're all participants. Yeah. It would be really not. You can click the button and say no, it's going to happen anyway, right? Mm -hmm. It's just because it's happening when you don't even know it's happening. Mm -hmm. So I want to get that example you just gave of, hey, I was talking about non-alcoholic beer, and then suddenly I'm getting ads for non-alcoholic beer. That happens to everybody, mm -hmm. okay? But it's not what you think is happening, okay? You think that it listened to you and then started giving you non-alcoholic beer. It's right. Sometimes I swear... 
It's like I think of something and it shows up on so my here's phone. The thing. This is the, sca- <laughs> this, the The real thing is way scarier. Okay. okay. Oh, it's that it knows you're going to think about non-alcoholic beer. It knows before you know. Like the trends that you're doing online, the things that you're saying in your emails and your whatever, it knows that you're going to be talking about They're non-alcoholic like, Here comes beer. Here comes Lekwarisma. She's exactly. going to give up drinking. Exactly. That's what it's actually doing. It's not listening. It simply knows before you do. Okay. You know, and um, it's very, very good at it. You know, just like I gave you guys that example last time of like this video that that I liked, you know, mm-hmm. that I didn't think I would like. like the lobster. Same kind of thing. It's never that it like your phone listened to you. It's that it has thousands of data points on you that knows that's where you're going. Mm-hmm. And that's why you started talking about it because of all the things that probably happened before and all the conversations you had before led you to that. Um, it was just probably like three days ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> I had read um, when Steve Jobs had his kids, he sent them to a non-tech school where they had to use a compass and a protractor like mm-hmm. like I did growing up. Uh-huh. Um, do you think that the learning environment for children should include AI? Is there like a benefit to like trying to go like try to avoid it? Like what, like, what do you think? And I know you, that you have a very beautiful son who's my nephew. Um, but um, like, what do you like before it was like Silicon Valley avoided having their kids in schools with technology or with yeah. iPads. And now like, I like, we have two school iPads in our house over the summer because they just let the kids keep them over the summer. Like, what do you what do you see? Tools change over time, right? And um, as much as people, you know, like you can make a chair by by getting a piece of wood and you know chiseling it and cutting it until you get your chair. But we have machines that'll do it in like twenty seconds, right? Mm-hmm. Is it nice to know how to do it by hand? Like, totally. What's the real world that's going to help you the most? Knowing how to create a machine that can make you thousands of chairs a day or having, you know, I like to give my kid the tools that are at his disposal. Cause that's what I have in the real world. Right. Mm-hmm. In the real world, like my teachers used to say, you're not going to have a calculator on you every day. Turns out we do. We do have a calculator. And so like, I totally remember teachers saying that. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep, yep. Um, so one of the things with, with, with me and especially with my son is, um, I give him access to to all of it, right? And all the learning. He's taking AI classes right now, right? He's been programming since he's nine. He's about to turn 15. He learned Python, then he learned uh, Java, and then he learned, because he didn't want to learn Spanish, so I said you had to learn some languages. I just, he went with programming languages. <laughs> um, and now it's AI, you know, and, and prompt engineering, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that for him will come much easier because he understands programming, right? Um, and when an AI makes you your code, he knows how to go through and make sure that, it does the things it's supposed to do and can change it a little bit, right? Whereas right now, a lot of the prompt engineers are like... Nerd alert. People that don't know anything, right? And they're like, oh, well, it just does it. But yeah. he's got that thing of being able to go through and like modify it so that it's for him. But um, I think it, you're doing your kids a disservice if you keep them from it because this is the world and it will be the world. This is... AI is going to be 50 times bigger than what the internet was. It's going to be in everything, how do you think that'll impact consumerism? So if you think about the example you just said, right, it could take like we could build a chair or this robot could build a chair in 20 seconds. Do you think we'll just buy more stuff because it'll make things cheaper or like how do you? Oh, we're doing that right now. I mean, we've been doing that for the last 10 years. Amazon perfected it, right? Um, uh, I mean, how many times? I'm just like an answer, you know, you don't have to if you don't want to. <laughs> but in the last month, how many things have you bought from Instagram? 
Instagram too. Yeah. See, and it's just like, you wouldn't have bought that otherwise, right? Because if you had just been at home watching TV, you wouldn't have thought of like, oh, let me buy this random let thing. Let me get these but, cups but with they're a so flower-shaped spoon. And you know, the other thing too is like, I don't get any, any advertisements that are for me. Everything is for my wife. Right, so it's like, oh, here, are, here's this dress. Here's because like the only time I ever buy anything is for her, and it's realized this. Even though I'm a 41 year old man, it's giving me all the ads of a 36 year old woman because it knows that's what I buy is for. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, they've made it unbelievably easy to buy things too. Like it's literally one button press, and that's at your door, you know, in like 12 hours. Which is amazing. It is. It is. But yeah, we're going to spend way more money than than um, than we ever have because it makes it so easy. But we're also going to probably be the most comfortable because we have all kinds of stuff that um, all, all kinds of stuff that actually helps us a lot too. And now they have reviews, and now people are faking reviews, and AI is faking reviews. So it's really it's it's getting it's it's a wild west out there right now. Um, I've been talking for a while about like we have to be regulated. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know who to regulate us um, because I see some of the stuff we're doing. I'm like, I shouldn't be allowed like at all to just have free reign on this. Right. Like, so, but so part of me is like, oh, well, that's why we have the government. But honestly, if you saw them try to keep up, if you saw them try to just get, understand crypto, right. When they were trying to give them like, Hey, this is cryptocurrency. I mean, it was like toddlers, you know, and like, and these are the people making the laws for what we do there. They're not going to get AI, right? They're going to be like, they're too, honestly, the the nicest way I can put it is they're too stupid to like regulate well, what we're doing. That's a, that's where I wanted to go. The question is like having all this AI, we know that, that our education system is very antiquated compared to other countries here in the U.S. The, the debacle at, at uh, balancing budgets within city at state levels, every, every state has its own issue. How can, at rapid paces, I mean, we're the lead, one of the leading, if not the leading country, how can AI simplify that? And to your point, they're, they're so behind, and, and those are the individuals making the law. How can they, what, what could be a way that they can incorporate AI to solve these problems much quicker and to advance many, many educational systems, if, if not our educational system here? So, we, I mean, first of all, it's, it's in, the government isn't in the business of like, being more productive mm. or being more like that's not what they do. They're in the they're in the business of making more jobs to get reelected, right? That's how that's how the government works. So when somebody like like AI comes in and says, "Hey, my AI can do the job of those four hundred people," like, and that's costing you all kinds of stuff for using them. I will come in and I will do it for one twentieth of the cost. You would think they'd be like, "Dude, that's awesome." They're like, "No way," because what's going to come out is say that we lost four hundred jobs. Not that we made this way better. So government is one of the worst places to try to get to use AI. Now, the, the, the military, they're all over it, right? Yeah. They know they need AI. Like, that's what we care about, mm-hmm. right, is how do we make missiles smarter and make, you know, uh, our, um, how do we give these tools to, to our soldiers? But in reality, when it comes to government, um, really they, they don't care at all. Mm-hmm. No, no, no matter how progressive, no matter whatever – it's all about jobs. And if you don't have jobs, you're not going to get reelected. Now, do you see that just here in the U.S.? That's no, the that's case? That's all over? That's around the world, yeah. Um, China's incorporating a lot of it into it. That's why they're kind of super ahead of us on that. Um, and it's weird because I feel like a lot of people just go negative towards AI. Mm-hmm. Right? And like, it's like, uh, I, I was at this, I was, I was at the, uh, a legal conference and um, I was on a panel. 
And there was one expert on one end, and then I'm the expert on the other, and then there was like some lawyers in between us. Some and, experts in between. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and um, and these guys, they were like, "Hey, um, you don't, we don't have to worry about our jobs, right? Because AI is simply going to take the fringe jobs, right? The fringe jobs will be able to save money, etc." And I was like, "No, that's not true. You know, like that it, it's going to take all the jobs, right?" Um, and my point with them was like right now they're like, yes, but the fringe jobs just change. But I mean, the problem is that a fringe job is going to be a doctor, you know, in, 20, in 15 years, that's going to be a fringe job because you're going to want an AI to be the one that does your health care, not a human being who's dumb and can't, you know. Uh, hey, not- <laughs> there's a lot of humans in the room. <laughs> no, but I'm saying like comparatively, right? Yeah. Right. Um, it, it's going to be crazy. It's more efficient. Yeah. And yeah. it was weird though, that they were arguing that point and then being like, and I'm like, it's weird. This is just how like we are in the United States. I'm like, I am literally an expert. I do it every day. Like I how see things. How long ago was this? Four days ago. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this was on Monday. So, but that's weird because we have doctors wearing like the Google glasses while they do surgery, right? So that other people can see and mm-hmm. like the. So we're recording things like this for. To me, it feels like this purpose. No, well, they're recording it just to to teach other people, okay. right? Um, eventually, there's going to be you know our um, augmented reality to where with combined with AI that can literally tell you what to do or what the problem is if um, something's not going right, and AI could literally tell you using computer vision what's going on or what you should do or hey, these are the three things you should do. This is the most likely one to work, right? Um, it's going to give options because a lot of times humans kind of freeze up. So that was another one of the questions that we received. Glad you brought this up. Will AI make significant advances in the medical world where we'll live longer? Do you see AI finding like a quicker, better cure for cancer? Do you see that AI is going to help us once you grab all all this information together? We'll say like, this is how we approach this pandemic or... Without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, right now, it's not a technological problem. It's simply a data problem. If we can get all the data and people could stop arguing about who owns it and um, where, where, you know, I get it. We have to do identify it for privacy reasons. But um, we could, if we could just have all the, all the healthcare documents right now, we would solve, my guess, we'd solve half of the cancers within the first three years. Like, just give it all the data, let it calculate stuff. It's way better than we are at it. Um, but... The problem is get all the data, right? We need millions and millions and millions of documents and uh, sequential know, hey, this is when this started, this is when this ended. Um, one of the really cool things that we do is uh, when we sell information um, to um, to other research facilities is we'll say, here's this very rare cancer, right? Here we have 30 people who had this very rare cancer. This is how they were treated, and then you can see all the other people and how they were treated. They were on this drug. They lived 30% longer. These were on this drug, and they had these things happen to them. AI is able to just go through that so much faster than, than we are um, and try different versions of the same thing millions of times till it can simulate the best thing for, for us. So, yeah, um, healthcare, we are going to live longer because of AI without, without a doubt. I almost think that there's going to be things like – it's happening right now, like um, – with the sensors, the more sensors we put on ourselves, the more AI will tell us what we should and shouldn't be doing. I mean, I could see it just, hey, your blood sugar is high, go for a walk. Um, or, hey, you know, your blood pressure's up. You know, here's some relaxing music and, you know, take a break kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and th- that, that, is, that is for sure coming. 
So those were all the questions we had from our audience. I think that we're going to probably get more. So I I see this as a regular occurrence. Sure, sure. (laughs) Last time we asked you at the end, like, what should we focus on or like, what should we do? And you said, you know, go play with ChatGPT. Since today it was based on a lot of questions of like, what it is, what can it do? What is the future of it? Like, what should we be reading? Or is there like things we should sign up for? Like, what should we focus on so that we continue to learn and evolve? Yeah, I'll I'll keep giving you guys homework. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. yes. (laughs) I would say... um, Look up prompt engineering. Okay. Right? And um, Actually, it is... Like I have that on You have it written. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and that will get you to really understand what's going on. Okay. Right? And, and, and with this new, this new AI stuff, especially with like ChatGPT and other ones that are coming out, um, what you need to know is what to ask. And prompt engineering is going to help you learn what to ask and how to get what you want from it. Um, and you're, a lot of people, by doing that, get ideas for apps and get ideas for all kinds of stuff that... Um, that I think is pretty neat. Um, and I actually has helped me a great deal whenever I'm like drawing a blank. I'm like, how would I solve this problem? And I literally go to chat GPT. You're like, like, machine, solve yeah, this yeah, problem. Yeah. Or give me another, <laughs> at least it'll get me going or thinking in a different direction. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of times you're stuck in yeah. a box. Yeah. Like, okay. And all of a sudden this thing will just like give you something way out of left field. And I'm like, well, hold on. Let me like, maybe there's something there. And there, there normally is something there. It doesn't really get you all the way there. But right, it will eventually. But right now, it just leads me in the right direction to to try to solve big problems. So, Sergio, is there like an app that's prompt engineering you could speak to, and the kind of like your it's your soundboard type of deal? To your points, like, hey, I need to build uh, a spreadsheet that has this and this and this. Oh yeah, is, is that something like? Yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. Okay. There's something that OpenAI has that does that. There's others as well. I know. Um, Google has one that does it. If you guys look it up, there'll be lots of um, options. Okay. Of, and it's a new thing. So it's one of those things where it'll be changing. There's literal, if you go, there's job postings for prompt engineers now. Like huh. that's a job now. Um, right. you, don't need, you don't even have to be that good of a coder. You just need to know how to talk to chat GPT. <laughs> so, so, you know, we always talk about you know, career changes for individuals. My brother just lost a, a job because of the automation within C-Export. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, because AI came into play. Mm-hmm. So, um, what does someone have to have a background for prompt engineering? Like, what what's a career pro- progression or pathway for something like that? No, um, not so much. But you have to want to like. It's weird. I always tell people like, you can learn to code, right? Like, it's not the hardest thing ever. Um, the what you have to have is be. You have to have the mentality for it. So you have to be like a person who has to solve puzzles, mm. right? If you don't okay. like puzzles, if you don't like don't do doing it. work, it, you just go so, find, figure something else out um, because it's it, it's difficult. I always tell people like what we do for a living is kind of sick because you can do the right thing and get the wrong answer, right? Mm. And that, I have only seen that in 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 life when, when you're an engineer. <laughs> you know, it's like I've, you've calculated everything per- perfectly, you coded it perfectly, doesn't work. And I just got to bash your head over a wall until you figure it out, you know? And something that's, you know, 30 lines of code might take you a month to write because it's got to be perfect and it's got to work the correct mm-hmm. way. But the satisfaction we get from it, if you don't have that, right, and you haven't had it from a young age, you're not going to get it later on in life. So you have to have that inventor mentality. From, yeah. yeah. You have to have, like, you want to, mm-hmm. like, you purposely, like, when I play video games, I tend to play puzzle games just naturally. Like, that's just what I enjoy. I do too. If, if, you, if you just give me something with a story or whatever, I'm not that into it, but... Like, um, like, give me an evolved form of Tetris, and I'm, I'm correct, there all there you day. Know, yeah, <laughs> like I want to, I want to be driving and thinking about the problem, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what I like to think about. You know, I try to. I would solve like you problem. to be driving and listening to the podcast. <laughs> 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 uh, 
That'd be great, right? Yeah. It's like, all right, from North Avenue to the <laughs> yeah. Percy, everyone driving, turn on Corporate Cafecito. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for joining us again today. We'll bring you back in the fall. If you have any questions for Sergio and you want to send them through us, we'll get them to him or you could look him up. He is Sergio Suarez Jr. He obviously is a great resource for this information. So I love I love hearing you speak. I think you just know so much. So thank you. No, thank you guys. Yeah, gracias. It's a lot of fun. I forgot to ask you last time because we were all like, and then what should we, and then what's it doing? How do you take your coffee? Oh, yeah, that's it. Uh, I don't drink coffee. I thought you didn't yeah, drink coffee. I remember coffee. that I one. Remember. He doesn't drink I coffee. Like, yeah. Yeah, and and, and like, it was something yeah. weird. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's like the only vice I don't have. I, I don't I don't drink coffee. And I don't have caffeine that often either. I'm naturally too hyper, so. He is. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. We'll have you back again soon. Send in your questions. You could go to www.corpcafecito.com and send us information through there or through our Insta at Corporate Cafecito or Facebook or LinkedIn. Just get your questions threads. to us. Huh? Got to get on threads now. Oh, my God. Like, I don't well, have well, time for all that. this. <laughs> Hasta la próxima. Yo soy Nayeli Suárez Gas. Y yo soy Mario Rodríguez. Hasta la próxima. Corporate Cafecito was produced in beautiful downtown Oak Park at Boulevard Studio. Audio engineer and editor is Mike Mitchell. We're available on every podcast platform.